Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Enrique Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. In studio with me tonight is the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. He covers Notre Dame athletics as part of the Rivals Network. Mr. Eric Hansen, great to have you with us on this Wednesday, January the 10th of 2024, day two without college football. It's always a depressing week, isn't it? (laughs) You know, we have so much fun talking college football from August until the championship game. Now there's that little bit of a letdown. Yeah, the offseason does seem pretty active, though, these. It does. Yeah. It It was again today. It was, and we'll talk about the Irish adding another player out of the portal. I just missed the game action. Yeah, I do too. I will miss it on Saturdays. Yes. I guess I'll have to go to the switch to the NFL playoffs. Like every team almost has a Notre Dame player involved in the postseason. I, I think a majority of the teams have at least one player. We've been kind of documenting that in our sports beat, insideindiesports.com, Twitter X question of the day. There's got to be a shorter way to say all that, but we've been kind of having some fun with that. There's a lot of Notre Dame former players that are in the NFL playoffs and coming up at the back end of this hour, we will recap yesterday's question, which was which former Notre Dame player or players have the best chance to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. And Just from the four choices that I had, there were seven Notre Dame former players that are involved in the AFC postseason. Just from those teams, I could have went with the Houston Texans. I actually left them off the list, and they have a couple of players, including Kurt Heinisch, who was 
I don't know if you saw this or not, but was sitting with Mrs. Elston at the national championship game. Did you notice that? I did not notice that. Yeah. Uh, but He was looking for the cookie recipe, obviously. Do, do you remember there was one time that he had to take the daughters to the daddy-daughter That's right. dance? And Mike was very complimentary of Kurt, except for the fact that he was sweating excessively. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? All things considered. All things considered. That's that, not a bad that, thing. That was a successful. I because agree. Kurt had a, I don't know if you remember this, had a habit when he was super nervous of vomiting. So right. the fact that that didn't happen was a successful evening. I would agree with that. And so would the Elstons. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Ten minutes after 5 o'clock. Eric and Darren with you on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. In the 6 o'clock hour, we've got some Notre Dame football recruiting information to get to. we got Sizzler. It was a 3-in-1 Sizzler segment last night. We've got four more picks coming your way tonight here on WSBT Radio. We've got plenty of Notre Dame football conversation coming up. In the first hour of the program, we will let you know that Notre Dame women's basketball will take on BC at home tomorrow night at 7 o'clock on Live 99.9. Irish basketball team got it done last night, winning it overtime at Georgia Tech. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they'll be back in action on Saturday at 2.15 here on Sports Radio 960. WSBT. There will not be a Budweiser's weekday sports beat tomorrow. I'll be traveling with the Irish hockey team, trying to figure out a way to get to Columbus, missing the snowbanks. So Eric and I will be idle tomorrow, but Eric has been kind enough to join me on Friday this week for the 5 o'clock hour here on Budweiser's weekday sports beat, which will include a chat recap and more Notre Dame football conversation here on Sports Radio 960. WSBT. And our hat trick of opening topics, three topics to get the conversation going on this Wednesday evening begins with this. The Notre Dame football team for a second consecutive day has dipped their toe into the transfer portal. And this time they've added a player on the defensive side of the football that has a very good chance to be a starting player on an already experienced and talented defensive side of the football. Today, the Irish found out they got a commitment out of the portal from Northwestern defensive back Rod Hurd. He went on the barnstorming tour of Michigan, Michigan State, and Notre Dame. He did not want to be a Michigan man. He didn't want to go through a rebuild at Michigan State. Notre Dame's a pretty good place to land if you're a safety, considering the defense coming back, Eric. So yesterday, it was Jaden Harrison a wide receiver kickoff return man. But today it is Rod Hurd. And let me just set this up by mentioning he was more of a slot corner with some safety responsibilities with Northwestern. Right. And they had a great year this year. I mean, what a come-out-of-nowhere story after Pat Fitzgerald was fired. The defense outside of the Illinois game, which was a wacky game, they're pretty – Doggone good, including against Utah in the bowl game where that Ludwig guy right. was the Held offensive them to coordinator. 211 yards, and Rod Hurd the second had 12 tackles in that game. So, slot corner slash safety responsibilities, 
at Northwestern. How does Rod Hurd fit into Al Golden's defense? And I hope I can continue to call it Al Golden's defense moving forward. Yeah, the number one pass efficiency defense in the country. And I, I should note, I know on Twitter they said that's been a stat since 2013. It's actually been a stat since 1990. Notre Dame has never won that title, statistical title in that category until now. And even if you go the old way, they used to calculate pass defense since 1937. It's the first time Notre Dame has ever won that statistical title. Really quick, breaking news, Nick Saban reportedly is retiring. Whoa. Hold on, folks. This comes from Chris Lowe, ESPN senior writer. And he just reported five minutes ago, Saban just informed his team he's retiring. Before that, Nick Saban is retiring. Sources tell ESPN he won six national titles at Alabama. How about a quick reaction to that? Wow. Um, and start the college, restart the college coaching carousel again. That's an incredible job and an incredible wow. challenge to step into that, um, into that position. And it's going to be interesting now. What's also interesting, Darren, is if the new players don't like the new coach, they can en enter the transfer portal outside of the confines of the windows. When your head coach leaves, then all bets are off and anybody can jump into that. Now, again, they may you would think they'll get somebody really good that the players will want to stay. But again, if you're Tommy Reese, you kind of wonder what his future will look like. Um, and, he will uh, not be the next head coach at Alabama. I can guarantee the, yeah, that. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> will will he be retained? Their their defensive coordinator just retired, and so, um, boy, that's interesting. You knew it was going to come at some point. Uh, man, wow! I wasn't expecting it this year. I was not expecting it this year. No, I thought he'd come back one more time and try to win it all. See, you go on the Pat McAfee show and it drains the life out of you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. How about that? Arguably, the greatest coach in college football history is calling it quits, according to ESPN's Chris Lowe. He's saying Saban has informed the team, and Nick Saban is retiring, and Alabama is coming up on the Notre Dame football schedule five, six years down the line. And we didn't think Saban was going to make it that long, although who knows, I just didn't think it was going to be right now. Wow. The, there's a lot of woes and wows on Twitter. You know, I think that's that was my reaction. It's like, wow. Uh, but, boy, what a um, – what a great time to be somebody in our profession that's got to watch this. Oh, uh, we'll have to have um, we'll have to have Ryan Fowler on. If you remember Ryan from, we had him on on our podcast. But you and I met him down at the 2012 National Championship. He's a, does four hours of radio every day, all Alabama football. Caffeine voice. Yeah. I mean, he's got that Southern draw. He's excited. Everything he says, man's got passion. He is. Terrific man, they might go 24 hours straight because in the state of Alabama, 
This is everything. This is their NFL, Major League Baseball, Tour de France, whatever, all jammed into one sport. I mean, Alabama is everything to them, and they just lost the greatest coach in college football history. Is it okay to say that? Am I wrong? I don't think you're wrong. I I think given certainly of our era and, I mean, you know, Newt Rockney would have an argument there, but it was a different time. And uh, so, and he had to adjust to a lot of different eras. I, I would, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there are other people in that conversation, but certainly in our lifetime, uh, he is. And uh, wow, 70- and, and you're right. I, I had a friend that was a big Alabama fan, a season ticket holder, and so forth. And he was talking about banks. We were driving through Alabama, going to. Um, one of those communities in the Florida Panhandle, not Destin, but Panama City. Yeah. And he's like, I don't bank at this bank. And I'm like, why not? And he goes, there's too many Auburn people. I go, seriously? <laughs> that's that's how you pick your bank out. Not interest rate or service, but how many Auburn people go there? Oh yeah, they gosh. take their football so seriously. Not that Notre Dame fans don't, but man, it's on another oh, level yeah. there. You've met my fiance, who's a diehard Alabama football fan, and she's a manager at an orthopedics business. And I just texted her, save and retiring. She goes, I can't handle that news today. This day has been blank. (laughs) So on top of everything else, your head coach is retiring. It's going to be fascinating to see what Alabama's ranked next year in the preseason polls because, I mean, let's face it, with Nick, you always figured they were going to Find a way to be top five in the country at the very least. Well, he was so interesting in the way he evolved as a coach because, you know, when he first came in there, do you remember what bowl they played in the first year he was there? Oh, gosh. Think think about Independence Bowl. Yes. The Pool and Weed Eater Independence Independence Bowl. Bowl. (laughs) And I think they were seven and six and – they started building now tell me if this sounds familiar they wanted to be offensive line defensive line driven so they started with those two pieces first and then added the other defensive bells and whistles they wanted a game manager as a quarterback and really skilled other players around him and then eventually he had to say you know what it's not enough to have that game manager anymore i need to get dynamic quarterbacks that can complement these defenses and the complement these other players and so he went out and did that who was the non-conference team they lost to his first year i think it was louisiana lafayette that's who it was yes yeah crazy 72 year old nick saban reportedly retiring seven national championships one with the family at lsu yeah and six with roll damn tide and, boy, you think back to that fourth quarter of the Michigan game. They were in position, despite the fact <laughs> I couldn't believe they had the lead with the way the game started. Bama had Michigan on the ropes in the fourth quarter, and that Milrow fumble in Michigan territory just changed everything. So I got one little thing All right. for you on Nick Saban. So a friend of mine worked for Nick Saban for a few years, and – the first thing when he gets introduced, and you know who this is, you'll you'll guess who this is, but I don't want to say his name on the air. He walks in, he introduces himself 
himself to Nick Saban and he goes, go get me a coffee. Now, was that a test? Do you go <laughs> do it? I mean, that was his first thing. Go get me a coffee. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so I apologize. We started this Notre Dame football segment, but this is it's huge news. Massive news. This is the one thing that stops Notre Dame football talk in South Bend when the GOAT of college football coaching Nick Saban retires. So let me go down this road really quick with sure. you. Sure. Pete Thamel, I think you respect his reporting yeah, and writing at ESPN. Absolutely. So he says, with no likely internal replacements at Alabama, here's a quick projected target list. Let me go through the names. You just give me a quick reaction. Yay, nay, whatever. First name is Dan Lanning. Okay. Nah. Kalen DeBoer. Two years at Washington and boom, gone like that? I, I, I don't – I think Kalen is brilliant. I don't know that that's a fit. Dabo Sweeney. That name's going to come up because he played at Alabama. That's ding, 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 ding. Oh, oh wait a minute. Let me get the sound effect going here. <laughs> Except, that's my new sound it, effect. Sorry. The only thing that I think hinders that is just what's happened at Clemson in the last couple years – but that would certainly revive Dabo, and he would have to get more progressive about supplementing through the transfer. Okay. Field. Yes. Again, this is Pete Thamel's early replacement list for Nick Saban at Alabama. This one is an absolute no for me. Penn State's James Franklin. Nah. You got to win big games. That's that's throwing spaghetti at the wall. That's a guy that wins ten games, which I respect, but. Eric, you gotta win a big game once in a while. All right. The next name on the list is Mike Norvell, Norvell of Florida State. Um, great job of turning that program yeah. was yeah. not in great shape when he left Memphis for Tallahassee. I don't think. I don't think. I think he's at the level of pressure cooker he can handle. I think Alabama turns up the heat. Beyond yeah. what is comfortable for him. All right. And Pete Thamel's last projected candidate to replace Nick Saban at Alabama, Marcus Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> Why I'm giggling is that's really a reach. And, and why I say that is, you don't want somebody with only two years head coaching no. experience in that job. Mm -mm. You really didn't want that at Notre Dame, but you were willing to play the odds, and it's going to work out for Notre Dame really well, I think. But I don't know what would drive Marcus to want to go to Alabama at this point. I just think that's – I don't think Alabama fans would But I it. think that's a compliment to Marcus Freeman yes. That, yes. that somebody of Pete's stature would throw that against the wall. But Alabama fans are going to want a proven, experienced winner. And that's no disrespect to Marcus, but he just doesn't fall into that category as of yet. Right. I mean, Dan Lanning probably, of all those names – that's intriguing. And, and Dabo Sweeney, those probably make the most sense. I mean, if Kirby Smart didn't have it going so well at Georgia, yeah. now that's his alma mater. He was at Alabama. He obviously can win there. But why would you leave Georgia, which has a more fertile recruiting and, ground? And you don't have to share the spotlight with the legends, Bear Bryant and Nick yeah. Saban. You can be yeah. the Bear Bryant and Nick Saban of Georgia. Right. If he keeps this going, which it sure appears – He's on the road 
to doing that. Yeah, but I mean, Kirby is somebody that could handle that. I just don't see why there would be incentive. Dan Lanning think, from Oregon. Do you think Brian Kelly's agent will say, hey. Oh, yeah. Trace Armstrong is already putting out a press release. that He's going he's gonna to call some writer right now. Hey, Brian Kelly would be interested in the Alabama job. I can make this perfectly clear. Alabama does not want Brian Kelly. The Alabama fan base. They would not want Brian Kelly. That would not go well. I haven't, you know, obviously because this just happened, I haven't given it more thought on who makes sense here. But uh, from Pete's list, Dan Lanning and Dabo Sweeney are the two that jump out at me. I agree with you. I agree with you. And I'm just trying to think while you were I think Kalen DeBoer elsewhere, like different jobs. I think Kalen's great, but I don't think he's Alabama. And you have to watch that. I mean – Remember, uh, was it Mike Price was the guy's name that went from Washington State to Alabama? I'll tell you what, the one thing about Dabo, besides him being an obvious candidate, if not when, if it's not now when, him leaving Clemson. Because, Eric, I know Notre Dame is tied into the ACC, but I'm not sure being a true full member of the ACC is going to be that cool that much longer. Oh, and Clemson's not going to get into the Big Ten. I, if Dabo were offered, I don't think he He's turns it down. Gone because He's gone. life in the ACC is not life on the beach anymore. Yeah, it's it. If Florida State leaves again, I've read that the Big Ten would not be interested in Clemson because of what they're looking for academically. You may look at North Carolina or Virginia might be leading candidates. And let's face it, the Big Ten, they can have 19 teams. They're saving one seat for a team from South Bend just in case they ever change their mind. Right. That's that's always going to be left there. If you ever need us, that chair is yours, Notre Dame. And if the ACC falls apart, which it could in time, Eric, don't you think? I mean, there's a chance. It, it could. I don't think that's imminent. I don't think even if Florida State gets through all the legal hoops that it necessarily means the other teams would follow or that it would just completely disintegrate like the Big East did. Yeah. Um, but it may not be the ACC that we knew – does Notre Dame want to be a part of that? If it's BC and well, Virginia Tech playing well, well, for the ACC championship. <laughs> well, wait a second. Think about that because Notre Dame isn't in that conference. But I know, but strength of schedule, they, okay, but there's you're playing, five teams. You're playing, you're playing those teams once every three years on average. Okay. So twice in a six-year cycle. Right. Florida State and Clemson. You can – you're not locked into playing only ACC teams. You can supplement your schedule with teams outside the ACC that would make up for the loss of Florida State or Clemson in those years. You could add a bigger team. You could add a Big Ten team, uh, SEC team. You can add those. I, I don't think – and there's nothing wrong with ACC basketball. There's nothing wrong with ACC <sighs> Soccer and lacrosse and ACC the other basketball thing. is not as good as it used to be. It's been it's down not for four good. or five years. It's not as good, but it's still Florida State leaving isn't going to change. No, yeah. no, no, they'll lose a or, great women's or, soccer team. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> and a really good golf program in Tallahassee. All right, so Nick Saban's retiring. We have not heard the official word. Again, we'll give Chris Lowe from ESPN credit because we actually credit people who break stories on this program. So we do. 
We do, and you do at InsideIndieSports.com as well. And let me see. Brett McMurphy from the Action Network. He says Alabama's Nick Saban is retiring. Sources told Action Network, first reported by Clow ESPN, that Oregon's Dan Lanning expected to be the top target to replace Nick Saban. There you go. That makes sense. That makes sense. Great defensive mind. Done a great job recruiting, Eric. I That makes total sense to me. Well, this is not the program I was expecting today. <laughs> yeah. We did not. Well, we we pivot. We do. We, had we to have in-show adjustments. <laughs> I like what Ken Fox of the Elkhart Truth just tweeted out a couple of minutes ago. Well, time for another switch of my pages, fifth time today. <laughs> you know that feeling, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I don't have print pages anymore. Well, I'll tell you what. Compared to maybe 20 years ago or 25 years ago, changing a newspaper is a heck of a lot easier today with computers than when you had to paste and cut and all that stuff. Oh, Oh, my. I actually learned that in college. Computers were just starting to become a big deal in the journalistic world, but I remember in college having to cut and paste. I thought I was going to lose my mind. (laughs) That was a miserable, miserable thing to do. All right. Let's see. Somebody else tweeted out. I'm just kind of looking at random things here. Someone pointed out maybe Steve Sarkeesian, former offensive coordinator. Again, I I don't know. That just doesn't feel right. And, and again, you know, going from Texas to Alabama, what is the incentive to leave Texas? Again, you know, what he's doing at Texas – they love Steve right now. Texas is back. They finally, you know, after all the false starts of Texas is back, they were actually back this season. And so he's kind of in a situation where he's being compared to a lot of people that have failed in that job, whereas he would have to follow Nick Saban. I, I don't Is see- that a factor? I mean, you get this great program, but you're following the GOAT. Of course it's a factor. That's... Well, I mean, again, you're not comparing Alabama leaving for Alabama from Vanderbilt. You're talking about leaving from Texas, which is a blue blood program. So why would you step into that? I, I'm not sure that there's a compelling reason. He's not a he's not a an Alabama alum. He spent some time there and had revived his career there, but I don't know. I don't know that it's necessarily easier to recruit at Alabama than it is Texas. Alabama per capita has some really good football players. But Texas has it per capita and oh. in in just raw numbers. Hmm. Can we have an off-season debate on the definition of blue bloods? Because sure. I think it is an overused term. And when you said Texas is a blue blood, I kind of cringed because – I'm a Hall of Fame guy that I feel like the Hall of Fame should be small. And the Blue Blood list should be really, really small, in my opinion. In fact, 15 years ago, I took Indiana basketball at the Blue Blood list. They are nowhere near being a Blue Blood anymore. Well, the the one thing about Blue Blood programs is they do go through ebbs. Alabama did. And you could say they're not on that list right now, but whenever you have that kind of tradition – Fred Akers told me this. He said, 
whenever you have that kind of tradition, there's always the opportunity to relight it. He goes, you can always relight that pilot light and get it going again. Whereas not blue blood programs may never, Indiana football is never going to be a blue blood football program. Don't ask the head coach that. <laughs> He's a winner. That's what it, it we've never heard. will. There's a, there's a, there's a ceiling on how high Indiana football can go. But you look at the, the programs that come and go and they regenerate themselves. One that may never again, and that used to be a blue blood, certainly, you know, when I was a little boy, was Nebraska. I don't think Nebraska's ever coming back, even with Matt Rule. Indiana basketball and Nebraska football have a lot in common. Right. But, but I think the majority of them that have won national championships and have had long reign certainly have a chance. Certainly Florida could come back. Florida's not playing like a blue blood right now. So there's that opportunity. I'll leave you with this, and if you're just joining us, we're talking about the word is leaking out now that Nick Saban is retiring from Alabama as their head football coach. And We live in an echo chamber. It's no longer leaking. It's flowing. It's a tsunami. <laughs> okay. Here is the Alabama schedule next year. So if Eric Hansen becomes the head coach of Alabama, this is what you have in front of you. And this looks so much different with all the new teams coming in. Alabama in September and August have Western Kentucky and South Florida at home at Wisconsin. Then they have Georgia at home September 28th. I mean, Alabama and Georgia are now on the same field in the regular season. That is a major switch because you know what, Eric? These TV stations are paying big bucks for these contracts. What do they want? They want the big boys playing, and that's going to be the major change. And by the way, ESPN's rank or ESPN's ratings for the college football championship game were not very good. So many people are cutting the cord of ESPN. People didn't get the game. They're going to put it on ABC going forward. But I now go back to this. So after they play Georgia at home, at Vanderbilt, home against South Carolina. They go to Rocky Top to take on Tennessee. Then they have Missouri at home. They go to go see Brian Kelly, Eric, the family in Baton Rouge on November 9th. Then they've got that massive matchup with Mercer, November 16th. How about at Oklahoma, November 23rd? And then the Iron Bowl at home, November 30th. So Alabama goes to Wisconsin, Tennessee, LSU, and Oklahoma. That is what new scheduling looks like and i absolutely love it regular season matchups are going to be great that's why i just kind of cringe at the acc schedule it's like notre dame's going to play who yeah nbc's like come on join the club let's go let's play some big games well it's four it's, or five times again, a year what you put around those five five acc games there are still seven other teams on the schedule now, next year's schedule doesn't look very strong. But how is Stanford going to be labeled? An ACC opponent or a full-time opponent? For now, they are a full-time opponent. Okay, so there's one. USC's another. Yep. Navy's another. Right. So if you have four ACC games in those three, you're five. at... S- five. Okay. It's f- an average of five. Okay, let's sometimes go with five. Sometimes it's four, sometimes it's six. Let's go with five. It's average five. There's three, so we're up to eight, so you have four games to play with, to dazzle me. Right. And next year, they're dazzling you with Texas A&M the next two years. Normally, that'd be really, really good. Yeah. 
but they've lost like 82 players to the yeah. portal. <laughs> but they'll that oil money will bring in some good players along the way, I would have to imagine. All right, we got to get to break. So, again, Nick Saban reportedly retiring. How about this? Saban was paid $130 million over 16 seasons, and you could probably call that the greatest investment in college sports history. Can you imagine the revenue he brought in? Yeah, I mean, Alabama wasn't winning national championships when. Uh... Mm. So. All right, we'll take a break, and we will give Rod Hurd his due. We started talking about the Notre Dame transfer portal edition, and then the Saban news hit. So why don't we just take a break, and then when we come back, we'll talk about Rod Hurd. I'm going to get your thoughts on Jaden Harrison, the latest portal pickups for Marcus Freeman and the Fighting Irish. Where were you on January 10, 2024 when Nick Saban retired? We'll talk more sports beat activity coming up next here on WSBT. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. What's the score? Nothing, nothing. Who's winning? The Bears. Co-hosting this hour is the publisher of InsideNDSports.com, Eric Hansen. He was bad at play. He bad at Sugar Ray. He bad at now. Who that? You, the new boy. Mike, 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 look like a bulldog. He bad at him, too. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. I don't know who that is. Five forty-three at WSBT. Great to have you back with us on a day that we find out that, again, until it's announced by Alabama, reportedly Nick Saban, the GOAT of college football coaching, is retiring. We kicked around some names that could replace Saban in our last segment. I know Pete Thamel from ESPN had a list of individuals, including Notre Dame's Marcus Freeman. But, Eric, you mentioned a name that would just be I think it would be one of those soap operas just waiting to happen. I mean, who's the guy that you mentioned replacing Saban at Alabama that just made me go, wow, that would be fun? Lane Kiffin. The Lane Train. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Crazy train. The haircut, the new young girlfriend, the dog. I mean, you get the whole package. (laughs) Wasn't it great drama when... Lane was Saban's offensive coordinator at Alabama. Nick would just torch him over the headset. And you know what? Lane never blinked. He never argued. He never said anything back. He just took it. But you know what? He became a better football coach from that experience. We never got the the Saban letting it loose on Reese this year. It was pretty quiet. Pretty quiet. All right. I love that. I think that would be a fun situation. All right. Even Deuce Knight weighed in the um, 2025 quarterback commit. Wow. He said wow on the Saban leaving Alabama. Okay. And an old friend has a new home, which ties into Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, right? You just saw this. Who picked Ole Miss? Uh, Logan Diggs from LSU. Notre Dame to LSU to Ole Miss. Strange. He was the top running back ball carrier at LSU. The problem was the Heisman Trophy winner ran it a whole lot more than Logan Diggs, that being Jaden Daniels. So with Judkins leaving Ole Miss, their great running back, it looks like Logan Diggs takes his spot in Oxford. All right. 
So we'll put the Saban conversation on pause, and let's get back to what we were going to talk about when this news broke. But again, folks, today the Irish picked up a transfer portal addition in Northwestern defensive back Rod Hurt. We laid out the fact he was a slot corner slash safety with Northwestern. Eric, you just started to talk about he was likely going to be a safety for this Fighting Irish football team. Can you put into perspective the impact he might have on what is already a talented, deep, and experienced defense? Yeah, Tyler and I were talking about this on Football Never Sleeps last night. We've been doing it on Tuesdays because of the national championship and holidays. But Jordan Clark coming in and Rod Hurd, the second coming in, as transfers are almost interchangeable. One could play nickel, one could play safety. If one got hurt, one could replace the other. So you've got depth at a couple positions. But now you've got an obvious sidekick for Xavier Watts. Um, which is huge. And then you have five freshman eligibility safeties behind them, a lot of them super talented. Yeah. And then you have a walk-on who's going to be a scholarship sophomore, and that's Luke Talich. The, there's three true freshman safeties, I'd say. Um, you know, Maybe one of them would be mm-hmm. camera ready, and then you have two redshirt freshman safeties and Ben Minnick and Adon Schuler. So you have a nice way to kind of bring those younger guys along as part of a rotation, and yet you have the security now of two really experienced guys that can play multiple positions that you're bringing in from the portal in Jordan Clark and Rod Hurd II. I mean, you look at his tackle total for a a nickel position, it's Reed safety. I mean, he's in the 80s, and Mm. he has – Gets fumble recoveries, breaks up passes. Um, he plays the run real well. I mean, Pro Football Focus gives him very good film grades. So I really like this. It was interesting. I wrote about this in the story that I did on Herd coming to Notre Dame. Marcus tried to recruit him to Cincinnati I saw you out of Farmington that, Hills Harrison High School, and he ended up picking Northwestern. He did have an offer from Michigan, Notre Dame, I think he visited. He never got an offer. Um, he was a three-star cornerback, pretty slim coming out of high school. But, yeah, Marcus was trying to recruit him and another guy from Detroit named Sauce Gardner, who they mm. did end up getting. So um, it ended up working out for them. But uh, he didn't say no to Marcus twice, and I think this is another really nice piece for Al Golden's defense yeah. or Marcus Freeman's defense or Mike Mickens's defense, whoever it turns out to be. Oh, I can't wait to hear what the next name was going to be. I thought you were going to well, add another asked, name there. Somebody asked me that in chat today. <laughs> they they gave, they were so complimentary and so eloquent at the way they phrased the hypothetical. If Al Golden leaves, if, and they're like, but he probably won't. If, if. Mike Mickens doesn't get promoted, but he probably would, who would be – my choice who do, who would you say of uh, a fit as a defensive coordinator and somebody that would be interested I'm sorry I lost my train of thought there was a Tommy Reese mention on Twitter and it just made me laugh okay <laughs> the famous end of Fresh Prince where Will Smith is standing oh, yeah, in the yeah, room yeah. all by himself yeah it's Tommy Reese walking into work tomorrow <laughs> it's, it's, oh, gosh anyway it just seems like if 
Golden were to leave, that Mickens is going to be the guy. That's just the sense I get. Marcus's answer was... Especially with the timing of it. If Al had said, look, Marcus, I'm leaving, have somebody line up and ready to go. But if it's going to be late January or February, Mike Mickens makes sense. Marcus, I asked him in the press conference, kind of preemptively, Mike Mickens is ready. Uh, But I think you look at the internal candidate and look at external candidates. I think two that I would like... I like Leonard, who's at Illinois right now, but was longtime defensive coordinator at Wisconsin. Just an he's, advisor there. He's, yeah. But, I mean, he was waiting for the next really good job, and he's going to have – he may be gone by the time our radio show is over. He's he's going to have a lot of offers. And then Phil Parker at Iowa, who's who was the Broyles Award winner. The thing is they're not a fit from a positional standpoint – they're defensive backs coaches and not a linebackers coach. But Al Golden was a roamer anyways. They got a graduate assistant first with uh, Laurenitis and then with um, Bulla this year. Yep. Uh, I want to call him Hank Bulla. I want to call him Shane Bulla. But his name is Max Bulla, the grandson of Hank and the son of Shane. And he coached linebackers. And so that fit, positional fit, wouldn't be as critical. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. Someone on Twitter X put, Coach K, after someone told him Nick Saban retire without doing a year-long drawn-out retirement tour. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, isn't that so true? All right. Hey, really quick, I want to get a thought from you. Yesterday, the Irish picked up Jaden Harrison from Marshall, kickoff return, wide receiver. This is the type of player that can change the complexion of a football game on special teams. Eric, with his ability on kickoff returns, not sure how he factors in at wide receiver. I'm more excited about the special teams aspect of his game. Yeah, I think he's more a depth piece at wide receiver, although he has really good speed. um, I think he's more of a guy that you can play on the outside and and can be in your screen game. Uh, I don't see him challenging Chris. Um, gosh, I'm forgetting Chris's last name already. The um, Florida Mitchell. International Mitchell, Chris Mitchell, and I think he'd be, you know, Cam Williams coming in. I think those guys, Micah Gilbert, but I think he's an important piece for your depth in case you have a lot of injuries. And again, Notre Dame doesn't have enough speed at wide receiver. They can always use somebody, and certainly a game changer in. Um, kickoff return second in the country at 30.7 yards per return he was good when he was at Vanderbilt as a redshirt freshman in kickoff returns returning them in the SEC so he's been pretty elite in that category so yeah I think it's a really good pickup they have 11 wide receivers now which I think is a good number I don't think you want to go over that and then you're giving the other people an opportunity to win those positions you're not bringing in a number one receiver. Um, so I like this pickup. And he doesn't have a repetitive, you know, a redundant skill set with some of the other receivers. No. Look at the Sunday night football game in the NFL. Bills-Dolphins, the Bills offense wasn't doing anything, down 14-7 in the second half. This was a punt return, but still the same thing. Their punt return man took it 95 yards for a touchdown, changed the way that game was going to turn out. The Bills went on to win, and won the AFC East and are the number two seed in the playoffs. It just shows you one special teams play can just change everything in a game, and it sure did for the Bills. And maybe this pickup 
could do that for the Irish next year. You know, and, and it's funny because Notre Dame was sneaky good in kickoff returns by the end of the year. They ended up finishing fourth. So when Jadari and Price got involved in that, they upped their game. And you think about Notre Dame having blocked kicks. They didn't have the block feet, uh, blocked punts, but they had blocked kicks this year that made a difference. They had, a, you know, field goals over 50 yards that made a difference. Special teams, Marcus Freeman has bought into that, and that makes Marty Biaggi very happy. Eric Hansen, publisher, editor, InsideIndieSports.com. I'm Darren Pritchett, and no surprise on Twitter X, the trendings. Tommy Reese is trending, and if you just click on his name, wow, you get a little bit of everything as the Alabama offensive coordinator just watched the GOAT Nick Saban retire while his alma mater might be setting up to go on a, a pretty nice run over the next couple of years. We've got our Twitter X question of the day coming up next, 554 at WSBT. Parents, skipping meals. This is the Budweiser's weekday sports beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960. WSBT. He's Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. I'm Darren Pritchett, 559, our sports beat. InsideIndieSports.com, Twitter X question of the day from yesterday. Which former Notre Dame player or players have the best chance to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl? Your choices, Hamilton and Stanley with the Ravens. The Dolphins have three, Claypool Eichenberg and Smythe, Tranquil with the Chiefs, Owusu Koromoa with the Browns, could went with the Texans. They have a couple of players, but that's what I settled on. So, Eric, who has the best chance to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl? We're talking about former Irish players. I, I will give you the Richard Dawson answer, which is Baltimore, but you know who I voted for, and I voted for because I was born in that city. I voted for Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa and the Cleveland Browns. He's had a wonderful year. He has had a wonderful year. He's a guy that probably doesn't get as much credit because of some of the guys they have in their defensive line, but he's been really, really good this year. Well, here are the results. Okay. Fourth place, 2% of the vote. The place where Eric is born, the Cleveland Browns, <laughs> Owusu Kormo. So you and your mom were the two people, I think, that voted for him. She was also born in Cleveland. See, there you go. Okay. Third place in the voting, 6% Drew Tranquil, who left the Chargers for the Chiefs and has played a big role in that Chiefs defense. But he got 6% of the vote. Who voted for Miami? They're going to Kansas City. The Dolphins never win when it's cold. It's going to be like minus 4 degrees at Arrowhead. Claypool, Eichenberg, Smythe got 8% of the vote. 84% went with Mr. Hamilton and Mr. Stanley, the top-seeded Baltimore Ravens. Hopefully Hamilton's okay. He got dinged up with a knee injury late in the year. Made the all-pro team yes. that the players vote on. Zach Martin did as well with the Cowboys. Absolutely. Okay, today's question, which you can find right now on Twitter X at 960 Sportsbeat. I'm getting a lot of pushback in some areas. Let's just keep this simple. Don't overthink it. Which Notre Dame season was the more impressive? 2022. Here are just a couple of the storylines. The Irish went 9-4 and four 
They did it with Pine and Buckner, who are not Division One Power Five starting quarterbacks at the current time, and probably won't be in the future. You had Tommy Reese as your offensive coordinator, first year for Al Golden, putting in a new defense in a short amount of time. So there was a building process there, and they lost to Marshall and Stanford. Then you got 2023. They went 10 and three with. A guy who rewrote the ACC record books at Wake Forest, Sam Hartman, coming to town. You had Jared Parker as offensive coordinator, but you also had a top five defense. And against the best teams on the schedule, things didn't go well. So which is more impressive? The nine and four, kind of with Pine and Buckner and Reese, or 10 and three with Hartman and Parker? So give me your cliff note version we'll maybe dig into this a little more next week yeah it's it's a trick question because there's a lot of levels and there were there only is. two choices um but i went with the 10 and 3 i think that represented the better accomplishment and i factored in everything including notre dame reaching a level of having a defense that's good enough to win a national championship okay even we, though you, the the details centered on offense. You know, another factor in 22, no Harry Heastan. Yeah. That's something else you could look at. Losing him was a big loss. Absolutely. A lot of different tentacles to this. I just put out the quarterbacks because that's kind of the high-profile part of the conversation, but you can go much deeper than just the quarterbacks and the offensive coordinators. All right, we'd love to get your opinion. You can vote. Drop me a line at 960-SPORTSBEAT on Twitter X. And we thank you for voting. Eric, what is happening right now at InsideIndieSports.com where Eric writes about Notre Dame football and other Notre Dame sports as part of the Rivals Network? Well, we do not have a big story on Marcus Freeman being an Alabama candidate. I, I don't think that that's going to happen. Uh, but I think it's a compliment to Marcus. We do have the chat transcript, live chat today, three and a half hours of it. Lots of great questions. The breaking news on Rod Hurd II committing to Notre Dame, becoming the eighth transfer in the class. That's a record in an off season for scholarship incoming transfers. We have our scholarship chart, uh, the latest recruiting mm -hmm. visitors. The crazy comeback victory in overtime for Notre Dame basketball at Georgia Tech last night, and much, much more. Check out Eric and Tyler James and the crew at InsideIndieSports.com. Again, we will not have a show tomorrow. I'll be traveling with Irish hockey, but Eric is going to rejoin me Friday at 5 o'clock for more Notre Dame football conversation. So I will not see you then, but I'll talk to you then. Sounds great. That's Eric Hansen. I'll be back with more Sports Beat in a moment, 604 at WSBT South Bend. You can listen to Budweiser's weekday Sports Beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. 13 minutes after 6 o'clock, Sportsbeat continues, brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. 
by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations, serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. Bethel University's Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash Solid Ground for details. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at FeedIndiana.org. By Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. And the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. What an afternoon for college football fans. The GOAT is reportedly retiring. Chris Lowe of ESPN had it first. In our first hour of the program, the news broke that Nick Saban is retiring. The 72-year-old head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide is walking away after leading his team to the college football playoff this year. They had Michigan on the ropes in the fourth quarter out of the Rose Bowl. Could not knock out the Wolverines. Michigan won in overtime, and Nick Saban is walking away from college football. Seven national championships for Saban, six of those with the Crimson Tide. I mean, can you imagine 30 years ago someone saying that Bear Bryant would turn out to be not the most decorated and famous coach in Alabama football history? People would have probably checked what was in your drink. But Nick Saban has become the guy in Tuscaloosa. Six national championships against seven total, the other at LSU. On top of that, Saban finished in the top five on six other occasions. So seven titles and six near misses for Nick Saban. As I mentioned, Chris Lowe of ESPN broke the news. I don't believe Alabama has put out the official word as of yet, but according to Lowe, Saban told the team today, and now the information was leaked out, that Saban is walking away from college football. Lowe was on the Paul Feinbaum show within the last hour and offered a couple of thoughts on Saban walking away from Alabama and college football at the age of 72. Well, I think, you know, when you're 72 years old, first of all, uh, Paul, 14-hour days are a lot different than they were when you're 60 or 62. That's, that's just the way it is. And, and Nick's one of those guys that um, he can only do it one way. He's never going to scale back. He was never going to scale back and bring somebody else in to help him. Uh, he knows one way to coach football. And I think he'd gotten to the point where he felt like he had given everything he could. He'd done everything he could as a head football coach to, to make Alabama a championship contender every year. And this was the right time, the right place for him and his life and his family to walk away. He, he, he was never going to have – someone asked me out in L.A., is there any chance that he would do this um, and, and then sort of say, I'm going to coach my last year? No way. There was never any way he was going to do a victory tour like we've seen some coaches do. He was going to decide. He was going to make his decision, talk to his family, and then he was going to be done. And that's what happened today. Mm, there you go. Chris Lowe of ESPN, courtesy of the Paul Feinbaum Show, his – Thoughts on the retirement of Nick Saban. And, yeah, there have been some more well-known coaches that decided to go on a victory tour like Mike Krzyzewski at Duke. But Nick Saban, no thanks. I'm done. I'm walking away. 
and what a decorated career for Nick Saban. Of course, head coach at Michigan State, left for LSU, went to Alabama. Of course, the Miami Dolphin head coaching short stint is in the mix as well. But you talk about putting Alabama truly back on the map. It was never off the map, but back to an elite status over a lengthy period of time. Absolutely miraculous what Saban was able to accomplish at Alabama. We'll take a timeout. We'll talk some Notre Dame football recruiting next on WSBT. Yeah, both of these guys we're about to talk about. Um, they picked Notre Dame and had Michigan and Ohio State really finish at two and three. Um, so, yeah, nice nice recruiting wins here for the Fighting Irish. And the first one was, yeah, Darren, every year there's like two or three kind of recruiting like recruitments that were a little down to the wire and had the, you know, uh, twist and turn kind of deal. And that was Christopher Burgess. So usually, Darren, uh, when prospects put out their commitment date, they already have been privately committed for quite some time. Well, this prospect from Chicago Simeon, class of 2025, four-star pass rusher, he didn't know where he was going until two days before his announcement. Um, so he announced for the Fighting Irish, I believe it would have been on uh, January 6th, and he told the staff that Thursday night uh, that you know he, or he at least gave them indication that he would be committing to Notre Dame. Um, so, it, again, it was one that went down to the wire. It really was between Notre Dame and Ohio State. Uh, the, the Buckeyes did a tremendous job recruiting him. Um, but he did end up picking um, the Fighting Irish. Um, so, yeah, Darren from Chicago, Simeon, and someone who is a, a really interesting defensive line prospect, versatile guy, and that he could play some different positions, and um, pretty raw. He's coming to, like, when he gets to Notre Dame, you know, he's going to have a lot of, um, you know, upside and, and development, not going to come in with, with a ton of bad habits, bad training, anything like that. He's, he's just going to be a ball of play um, for that coaching staff to work with. So uh, Christopher Burgess, 6'4", um, believe he's around 230, 240 pounds right now, and uh, someone that Notre Dame really coveted and uh, got on campus a good bit and, uh, and landed his commitment. Darren, I always would talk about Burgess and say how this recruitment didn't feel like Justin Scott, Justin Scott, the five-star defensive lineman from Chicago from the last recruiting class, because Scott never really visited campus. I mean, it was like, and I think in a year and a half period, I mean, he was like there once. Burgess, I think, has been to Notre Dame five or six times. So he's been frequent to Notre Dame, whereas Scott was not, and you know my mantra in following recruiting, Darren, is follow the visits. Actions speak louder than words. Where you go on visits oftentimes is where you want to go to school. Um, so now I will say that these recruitments seemed kind of similar down the stretch in that last January of 2023, Darren Scott, uh, who ended up signing with Miami after initially committing to Ohio State, interestingly enough, he – announced a January decision date and didn't know where he was going. And then for a while there, I was like, man, I keep hearing Burgess is really torn between these schools. Is this 
Rodgers are not going to go in Notre Dame's favor here or really just push back his decision date like Scott did. No, Burgess went ahead and picked Notre Dame. Um, he loved Notre Dame. The 4 for 40 resonated with him, and his family was uh, were, were huge advocates of the Fighting Irish as well. So it's a nice pickup, Darren. It's a str- strong defensive lineman here. Um, and, and the last note is that uh, – uh, you know, Al Washington gets a ton of credit in this recruitment. Uh, I was told that he really knocks it out of the park um, and deserves some kudos. So I wanted to go ahead and do that. I love these defensive ends they're bringing in. They all have great length, athletic yeah. with length. They, they've really done a great job of building what looks like a future defensive line that's got some amazing upside and to go along with that, you love to have a great back end, and Notre Dame had the number one pass efficiency defense in the country this year, number five in total defense, so that's pretty doggone good. And now as we look to the future, the safety position. I think there's some questions who are going to be the starters this year besides, of course, Xavier Watts. But as we look at the future, the Irish picked up another key recruit, beating some other elite programs and safety, Ethan Long, another member, of the class of 2025. Yeah, I mean, final group of Notre Dame, Penn State, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Michigan. Again, strong group here. Um, as you were talking about, I love this defensive line class, and then kind of talking about this, um, you know, the, the past defense, how much has improved. I'm just thinking to myself, in, you know, listening to the late, great Lusimoji. Um, you know, talk about these things before he passed is, you know, always talk about, you know, how, how Notre Dame was not able to get those big-time defensive backs and, you know, the secondary, like, winning out on the edges. I mean, we're, we're talking about two defensive prospects here that are, are impressive. Um, so you get a really good pass rusher in Chris Burgess and then you get Ethan Long, um, who is, I mean, the play style – that people are talking about with him is uh, similar uh, to a guy named Kyle Hamilton. I think that's a pretty good guy to be compared to. You know, he's listed at 6'2", 185 pounds um, is Ethan Long. And, uh, you know, I'm told that, you know, people see him in person say, man, he seems like he seems about 6'4", which is, uh, which kind of tells you he's just plays with that length. Um, so, you know, Ivan Taylor's another safety commit for Notre Dame in this class. You have guys like Tabron Benny Powell in the last class, more of like nickel box safeties, like they're versatile. They're going to, um, you know, not be that middle of the field, rangy free safety like we saw Xavier Watts. Well, Ethan Long is more of that, you know, middle of the field free safety like Kyle Hamilton. Um, so it allows Notre Dame to do more things um, in, in coverage. So it, it, it's a really nice get. I'm like I'm not a hundred. I'm not hundred percent. And, and as I say, he's this middle of the field free safety for folks watching on YouTube, watching that play there. And he's playing as a slot nickel, and he is again on this play too. So he he is he does provide that versatility, but also I think his best trait is kind of that ball hawking middle of the field safety. Um, so. I'm curious about the overall upside, like how good can he get? Like, can he ascend like Kyle Hamilton did as a senior? It'll be interesting to see for long going into his season, 
in 2024, but I think the floor is very, very high for this young man that, in that he is, I mean, if it doesn't pan out for him, like he's at least going to be like a really solid couple-year contributor and really good on special teams. I think he could be that right away. Um, so I'm curious about like how he looks this season um, in terms of kind of looking at the um, how, how big the upside is. Um, but I think we can already determine that the floor is very high for this young man. Like the the range is there, the size is there, the football smarts are there. He looks to be a really good safety there. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 